In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Bravo Docket. I think I say this every time that we do one of the lawsuits on our long list that I'm so excited to cover it. But but like th- this is one I'm really, really excited to finally get into. We are today discussing the lawsuit that Jim Bellino filed against Heather McDonald, Tamara Judge, and Shannon Storms. So excited. For those who do not know who Jim Bellino is, Jim Bellino was house husband of Alexis Bellino. He, I think, was like the first awful Jim that we got on Real Housewives franchise, like the first of many bad Jims. He had a really traditional view of how marriage was supposed to be. She was his, I don't want to say servant, but it was like they were very religious, very Christian. She was like, my role is to take care of him. And he totally accepted that. It was it was a weird dynamic. He, he was just like not well liked at all on the show. And Jim and Alexis ended up divorcing in 2018. And I've never considered looking him up for any reason. I just I don't know. He was on the show and I was like, OK, this is Jim. This is who he is. But he is an entrepreneur. I guess he's successful in business. CelebrityNetWorth.com says he's worth $3 million. I never believe those websites. I think they're always wrong. Interestingly, he was born in Long Beach, like myself. I did not know that. And he has a blog, which we both looked at, and we posted on our Patreon. It is very interesting. <laughs> um, what did you think of his blog? Okay, I I haven't seen old seasons of RHOC, so I didn't really know much about who this guy is. 
And his blog, I literally, Ceci like posted in our Patreon and then I looked at it and I immediately screenshotted it and texted her and was like, why is this so funny? <laughs> it was, it almost sounded a little hysterical in tone. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It was just, why, why, why are you, it, I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. Did it give you vibes of like Sweet James? That was the vibe I was getting from the blog. I mean, I think Sweet James is actually much better at uh, defending himself and articulating. I mean, whatever else is false, I think he's much, I think he was much better at it as opposed to this guy. Yeah, well, we'll read from it a little bit later. But there was an interesting thing I read on there and you dug into Angela about his involvement in an FBI sting. I had never heard of that before. That did not come up on the show, as far as I know. Definitely came out of Tamara's mouth, I think, in the podcast that we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, he was involved in an FBI sting and he totally downplays it on his blog. He says he like goes through everything that's been said about him and then has records of why it's false, like including that I guess there was a rumor at one point that he changed a lot, his last name because he didn't want to be Italian or too Italian. <laughs> and so he goes to oh, so far as to post his birth certificate on his blog to be like, look, this is my name. It's always been my name. But anyway, so he's trying to dispel this FBI sting. Do you want to talk about what this FBI sting is about and what happened? Yes. And I just want to say thank you to Mr. Bellino for posting his birth certificate because it gave me his middle name, which allowed me to correctly ascertain whether or not the PACER, the federal PACER records that I was looking up were, in fact, the Jim Bellino that we're talking about. So thank you for that. Oh, my gosh, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) So in the Southern District of California, case number 00CR3071, there is a indictment and it says the United States attorney charges introductory allegations and it's United States of America plaintiff versus James Carlos Bellino defendant and in this information it is uh, title 18 USC section 371 conspiracy to commit mail fraud which as our listeners have probably listened to our episode from Teresa and uh, Juicy Joe on their charges you know all about mail fraud and Wire fraud. Okay, so it says, at all relevant times herein, the sports and celebrity memorabilia market in the United States is approximately $1 billion per year. Industry experts estimate that upwards of 50% and perhaps much as 90% of items comprising this market are counterfeit. Typically, individuals who traffic in this black market obtain memorabilia containing forged autographs of celebrities, which are then inaccurately certified as genuine. Okay, so... (laughs) I didn't realize that many percentage were counterfeit. Yeah, apparently it's like a lot. So yeah, apparently it's a lot. So count one, beginning at a time unknown to the government and continuing up to and including October 13th, 1999, within the Southern District of California and elsewhere, defendant James Carlos Bellino did knowingly and willfully combine, conspire, and agree with numerous others to utilize the United States Postal Service and other common carriers to defraud consumers and obtain money by means of false or fraudulent pretenses, blah, 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 violation of United States Code. So they're saying that as part of the conspiracy, the co-conspirators of which the United States attorney is alleging Jim Bellino was one, obtained certificates of authenticity from, authenticity from a number of different authentic- authenticators. <laughs> I mean, this is Authent- so hard to say. This should be like a test. <laughs> um, including Forensic Document Services FDS. So and they're saying, you know, these certificates were obtained by the conspirators to disguise the fact that the 
memorabilia they were selling was counterfeit. And uh, paragraph 19, as a further part of the conspiracy, James Bellino operated the company Forensic Document Services. In operating the company, Bellino employed the services of Robert Prouty, P-R-O-U-T-Y, who authenticated both counterfeit and genuine sports memorabilia. So they go on and talk about that. And this is dated from the year 2000, December 2000. I don't know. I can't read the date. But they're talking about things that happened in like 1999. Um, and then they discuss some overt acts, which again, that's part of the some conspiracy charges. So there absolutely was a charge filed against him by the United States Attorney's Office in the year 2000 in federal court, specifically alleging these things. So that, ha- I mean, that happened. That's in the court records. That's what I'm reading off of. I'm not making anything up. It's all in the records. Yeah. Even though if you go to his blog, he says he was only invited. He was involved part of the sting, but he was never indicted or he said he was never charged with anything or anything. But I mean, it says like it has it has it all in here. So what he agreed to, though, was something. And this is where when Ceci starts talking about Tamara's defenses to what she said We'll talk about that more later. But here's what he actually agreed to, which is incredible. I've never seen one of these in federal court before. And it was basically like a diversion agreement or suspended imposition of sentence. And so it was essentially saying that he the charge wouldn't be like finalized, essentially, if he paid back around thirty two thousand dollars and then left the memorabilia, the sports memorabilia world, so stopped doing it. And they did say that his participation appeared to be limited. So that that part is true that it was limited. But the I don't I don't know. I don't think he can say that he was never, ever even charged with anything because there's a federal information pleading alleging that he did these things. And it's in the federal records. So it is interesting what they say he did. I hadn't read this before. It said that a government undercover agent received the counterfeit Babe Ruth baseballs inside a UPS package shipped from James C. Bellino. (laughs) Yeah. So he apparently sold an undercover agent fake memorabilia, which is not great. Not to divert too much. How do they even know it's fake? You know, like, how do you did the the agent just like pick it up and was like, well, I have a real Babe Ruth one to compare it to. Like, how did they know it was fake? You know, I think that um, I, I didn't I didn't I tried not to go down too much of a rabbit hole in this, but I think no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> the they they kind of know at this point, like the existing real ones. And so. Fact, in fact, they even talk about it in one of their like the FBI talks about it in one of their um, postings on their website. But they say like there's a lot of professional sports players that just refuse to sign anything anymore, like at all. And like there's several of them that if he claims like that this is authenticated that it was done on like this date or after, they know that's not true because they refuse to do it because there's a black market for it. They know most of it's counterfeit, and so they just don't do signed memorabilia things and i think there's like a registry where they show like if they sign something like they're, they're going to auction off for charity that that's like registered mm. i think so i don't know how they knew for sure on this one but i know that that's something they've definitely cracked down on so <laughs> so they called Interesting. this yeah they called he did have he did have all this money he had to pay i think it was 30 it was over slightly over $30,000. Oh wait. So for defendant James Carlos Bellino to complete his obligation to pay full restitution to the government in the amount of $29,982.50 and this is dated November 30th, 2001. 
And so he got essentially what was like a deferred prosecution. And so I essentially that's like if I the way I understand that from when I did criminal work, like at the state level was if you get if it's your very first criminal charge ever, you've never done anything else wrong. The state doesn't think that you're likely to, you know, do that crime again or do a similar crime again. And then you are honest and admit to it. Then if you just don't get in any more trouble for a certain amount of time and pay restitution, then they'll never kind of officially file the charge against you. So that's what I think he was saying here. I'm sure Ceci will talk about like what his attorney said. And I don't know if I would have felt comfortable saying that in those terms without being forthright about exactly what happened to the court that I was arguing it to. But that, that was a judgment call that attorney made. And I'm not going to judge them because maybe they didn't know. I don't even know if they had access to PACER like in the same way that mm-hmm. we do back, you know, when they were arguing about this stuff. So yeah. who knows? Oh, wait, no. But this case was 2018. The defamation trial is 2018. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they probably did have access to PACER. Yeah, they totally maybe had access to PACER, but maybe it wasn't like <laughs> released. Or, I don't know. But uh, maybe he hadn't put his birth certificate up on the blog yet, so they couldn't confirm his middle name to double check if <laughs> there was an indictment like weekend. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, it is an information, not technically like an indictment, but it's like he was they d- he did have the U.S. attorney's office saying, we think you did these things. And then there's the I, there's the transcript from basically the the hearing on it. And so this is the this is the U.S. attorney saying this. And he says, the most important thing in this area, as defense counsel and I have discussed, is the fact that the public be protected as part of the purpose of the terms of the agreement. Mr. Bellino has agreed to leave the authentication and distribution of the memorabilia business, which we believe would be in the public's best interest to ensure that there can be no further potential fraud by design or by mistake. In addition, there's been a number of items which we have identified as being fraudulent that Mr. Bellino has agreed to pay back to the government as part of this deferred prosecution agreement. So that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was there. Yeah. Okay. But interestingly, before like researching who he was, I had no idea that this even happened. But then going back to who Jim is, I forgot to leave out or I forgot to mention, I forgot to leave out. I left <laughs> out that, <laughs> that on the show, he also opened up a indoor trampoline park. And that is kind of the subject of this defamation claim and it was just so random so random hmm. um i hate trampoline parks with a passion i was just about Every to ask time if you'd ever been to one i've been twice i went I don't remember the second time, but one time we went for a sorority event. And I don't know why every time or the two times I've gone, I I did gymnastics for like six years. I only learned how to do a round off. I could not learn how to do anything else because I'm so scared of breaking my neck. But I don't know why I thought at these trampoline parks that I was a gymnast. So every time I tried to like do a handspring or, or something, you know, like it was probably it was me being stupid. But every single time I've hurt myself. When I go to those, like land on my head, have to like go out, get a pack of ice every time. They're so dangerous for people like me who think that they're gymnasts when they <laughs> jump on trampolines. But I don't think they're fun at all. They have those. You have to cover. There's hard parts. It's not like it's all one big tr- trampoline. Like there are right. hard parts where you can really seriously injure yourself. So not a fan. But what what have you been? No, and I but I always thought they looked fun. But my general concern with that kind of thing is is that even if I am being, you know, I'm I'm pretty athletic. I work out a lot. I run. I do all this stuff. But even if I'm being safe, 
like there's other people in there and I can't control if they're going to like mm-hmm. flail around and hit me. And so there's just like too many variables and I, there's no way I can feel like I would be able to pay attention to what everyone else is doing and then have fun on my own, you know? Yeah, you would be jumping and I would be trying to do a back handspring and kill right. you. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, it's like I also I just I was like got curious about this researching this. And it looks like in Texas, they don't have to have insurance, which is crazy. So oh and God. I don't know if that's still the case, but I saw one article saying and as an attorney, you know, I wouldn't let my kids or my family or anybody do anything without insurance. And so I can't, you know, get my law gun out and sue them if they <laughs> like, you know, that's crazy. They do make you sign waivers, too, that say, like, if I injure myself or die, I'm not holding you liable. It's just not. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I will say they do look fun. I just don't trust. You know, it's like I'm too old to be walking around with a broken arm. (laughs) It's just such a random business to open. But there are a lot of random warehouse businesses in Orange County. So why not? So the other key players here Heather McDonald, she's a stand-up comedian and host of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Tamara Judge, she's a longtime former cast member of Orange County. She was on the show from seasons 3 to 14. She really is a staple of Orange County. Then it's Shannon Bador. I know she's, I think she's just Shannon Storms now. She's also in Orange County. She joined the cast in season 9 and is still on the show. Do you want to talk about the podcast? what was said or how should we do this real quick just side note i watched the rhoc reunion and i'm gonna have another reunion rant for y'all soon because i was really (laughs) frustrated by a lot of things but that's a side note okay so all right i guess we just talk about them like the let's just set the scene of what of the facts let's just do that first so they were invited to record an episode of juicy scoop in front of a live audience it was episode 247 You cannot find that episode anymore. It's gone. I tried finding it to listen to it. I think I think Heather removed it after all this started. Yeah. So it was like in front of an audience. They were drinking. There was laughing. You know, you know, you know how those go. Yeah. But yeah. Do you want to read from his complaint as to what he says happened? And I just want to flag for people that listen with kids. There is non-kid appropriate language in this. So unless you had my dad and then it would be standard language (laughs) that you heard every day. But (laughs) up to you, up to you. Yeah, up to you. (laughs) So all right. On or about June 26, 2018, Tamara and Shannon sat down for a live interview with a woman named Heather McDonald, who's the host of a podcast called Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. She gets really good guests. I've never really listened to her podcast so much. And I can tell you there is one person or one group of people that I won't mess with. And that's stand up comedians because they're I feel like the only people that are scarier than experienced trial attorneys like will not mess with them. But anyway, okay. so the interview was held at the Irvine Improv Comedy Club in Irvine, California, and they blah, blah, blah. As many as 100 people were gathered to listen. Tamara and Shannon sat on the stage with a magnum of champagne. I like how they included that. Oh, no. Yeah, it comes up more. (laughs) I know for for the duration of the interview. I do enjoy again. I I always enjoy pleadings with uh, entertaining language. As they swilled champagne, Tamara and Shannon discussed and took questions from Miss McDonald and the audience about former and current participants on The Real Housewives of OC. When the subject turned to Jim Bellino and Alexis, the interview took a vicious turn in a crude and unseemly fashion. Judge, meaning Tamara Judge, who is a mother. Why, why did he include that? What is that? How is that oh, relevant? 
Uh, uh, we'll get there. Okay. Stated <laughs> that Bellino, and this is, I'm reading this. Okay. Let me just reread this sentence over directly. This is quoting directly from the complaint filed by Jim Bellino. Paragraph 17, quote, in crude and unseemly fashion, judge, parentheses, who is a mother, stated that Bellino is a shady motherfucker. She went on to question, why is he wanting spousal support and stated, I have a theory. Everything's in her name. Tamara Judge falsely stated that the Bellino's marriage was fake or a sham. And with respect to Bellino, falsely stated he is going to jail. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, paragraph 18. Shannon heaped insults onto the injury caused by Tamara Judge, further stating, quote, I heard they don't have the trampoline business anymore because they were sued. She continued, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happened. Shannon Bedore is referring to a trampoline park in Orange County known as Sky Zone, owned and operated by JMCO, which is uh, apparently Jim Bellino's company. Paragraph 19. Bellino discovered the interview after the fact and attempted to mitigate the damage done and damage to be done by the foregoing malicious, defamatory, and highly intrusive statements. Through his attorney, Bellino sent a cease and desist letter demanding that Judge and Bedore stop lying, publish full retractions of their false statements, and issue a public apology. Rather than retract and apologize for the lies, however, Judge and Bedore doubled down on them. They brazenly stated to the media that they were definitely not going to apologize and claimed apparently coached by attorneys that they were repeating public allegations, which is false and not a defense in any event. Thus, Judge and Bedore were given the opportunity to resolve this dispute in a reasonable fashion, but obstinately and to their own detriment, refused to do so. Would you like to continue with paragraph 21? Sure. On or around July 16, 2018, season 13 of The Real Housewives of OC premiered on Bravo Network, with Judge and Bedore returning as participants. After the show aired, an after show called Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen aired on the same network. When the topic of the Bellino's divorce and Judge's and Bedore's appearances on Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald arose... Judge and Bedore appeared visibly nervous and defensive. They claimed to be just poking fun at their target individuals during the interview. In any event, plaintiffs are not amused by Judges and Bedore's <laughs> malicious and outrageous lies and have taken this action to rehabilitate their reputation, reclaim privacy, and recover compensation for the substantial harm and damage inflicted on Bellino, his family, and Jimco. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you. I imagine that's how... how you know, he was talking yeah. when he filed this. I've never, I've, this, uh, I have to say this is the second case that we have discussed in the podcast where Watch What Happened Live comes up. That was the other defamation case, our Smelly Cat episodes involving Brandy and the Real Housewife of Miami. I forget her name right now. Um, Joanna Krupa. Yes, yes. That one also was, Watch What Happens Live was very involved in that. All right, so... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just Googling Sky Zone. And Jim has been involved and Sky Zone have been involved in other lawsuits. He actually was sued by a woman named Tisha Harmon saying that their business is unsafe. She claimed she suffered injuries due to his negligence. Her foot got caught under protective padding on the edge of a tree. See? Yeah. See, that's so yeah. dangerous. Yeah. And her injuries could have been prevented had there been proper training for staff and patrons. So that was one lawsuit. And then he was sued by a former business partner. But yeah, we don't we don't have to get into it. Do you want to go through the, the claims? All right. So Jim Bellino sued Tamara for defamation per se for her statement. He is going to jail. And would you explain like per se would just be like on its face or just it is it is that like the fact that she said that it is defamation. You don't have to prove anything else. That'd be an easy way to explain it. 
yeah, you don't need to you don't need extrinsic evidence to prove yes. that it's defamation. It's just it is it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So Jim sued Tamara for defamation per se for a statement. He is going to to jail. He claims that she said the statement with knowledge that it was false or with reckless disregard of its truth or falsity and that because of it, he suffered damages of one million. So Jim Bellino sues Tamara and Shannon for defamation, but not defamation per se, for all the other statements. The statements about the divorce being a sham, everything being in Alexis's name, the statements about him not having the business anymore because people get paralyzed. So apparently it's unclear of when Sky Zone closed. I didn't know it was closed. I thought they were still. Is that a chain, by the way? Or is that just his? Do you know? I don't. I don't think it's a chain. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I thought it closed because, I don't know, Shannon's statement says he doesn't have the business anymore because people get paralyzed or something. Or that was her statement at the podcast that he put in the complaint. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell. But, I mean, maybe I could just Google it right now. Okay. So he also sued both yeah. of them for. F- oh, is it closed or is it open? I've, I don't know. There's one in Anaheim. I guess it's still open. Yeah, I thought it was still open. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, Shannon's statements. Shannon's statements got me confused, too. I'm going to sue. He has really positive reviews and some negative ones, actually. I don't trust a place or an event or anything if there's not at least a couple negative reviews because you're just never going to make everybody happy. If everything is all positive reviews, I'm like, I don't trust you. This isn't real. But that's just me. All right. So he also sued them both for false light, saying they knew or acted with disregard for how the statements would create a false impression of Jim Bellino. And then he sued Shannon also for trade libel, causing loss of business due to her statements and intentional and negligent interference with a prospective economic advantage. OK, so if Shannon files an answer. You said there was nothing interesting in there. No, I mean, it's just a basic answer, just denials and then affirmative defenses, stuff like that. Yeah, well. Tamara filed an answer and she had 22 affirmative defenses. But yeah, no no additional facts in there. But just to give everyone a gist of the defenses, it was consent, waiver, truth, estoppel, non-actionable opinion, no damages, no mitigation of damages, slap suit violation, First Amendment, non-defamatory, and public figure. And I wanted to read that because on public figure, like we talked about in our two recent videos on our Instagram, if you follow us on Instagram, there is a different standard or there's a different burden of proof when there is a public figure. And it's a higher burden. And particularly in California, it's because if you're a public figure, then you are open to a lot more talk about you. So they make it harder to prove that a statement made about a public figure is actually defamatory. And the higher standard is that you have to prove that the statement was made with actual malice, and you have to prove it by a preponderance of the evidence. And a plaintiff satisfies the burden when he or she proves that it is more likely than not that a fact is true. So not to get into it too much, but to show actual malice, plaintiffs must demonstrate that the defendant either knew his statement was false or subjectively entertained serious doubt his statement was truthful. The question is not whether a reasonably prudent man would have published or would have investigated before publishing. There must be sufficient evidence to permit the conclusion that the defendant, in fact, entertained serious doubts of the truth of his publication. Publishing such doubts shows reckless disregard for truth or falsity and demonstrates actual malice. So if the court found here that Jim was a public figure, then to prove defamation against Tamara and Shannon, he would have to prove that they did it with actual malice. However, the court here found that he is not a public figure. (laughs) So 
So the burden of proof for him is the regular, just plain defamation standard, which is not actual malice. It only requires proving that the speaker or author was negligent or at least negligent when saying or writing the defamatory statement. Make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it just like... Even for me, it, it gets a little confusing because it, the def- there's a defense saying it was in the public interest, right? And so the, that goes into the slap motions that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So make sure I'm keeping yeah. that straight in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different. The word public is used twice, but different, different standards. Yeah. I didn't really look up Heather McDonald's suit because I feel like we have enough to cover with Shannon and Tamara. But to give like a high level summary on what happened with Heather's suit... It was pretty similar. He filed it against her on June 24th, 2019 for defamation. It alleges that, of course, Tamara Judge and Shannon Bodor said false statements about Jim and his divorce from Bellino or Alexis, excuse me. Um, So she files an anti-slap motion and wins on it. And her attorney's name is Jeff Lewis. And so this whole time, I thought that Jeff Lewis from Bravo was involved in this lawsuit. (laughs) I think I might have accidentally put that on our Patreon somewhere. So I apologize. No, Heather McDonald's attorney's name is Jeff Lewis. And he provides this helpful little paragraph on what an anti-slap motion is. And we've covered anti-slap motions before, and we're going to get into them again here. But he says, The First Amendment protects the rights of podcasters to report the news, whether it is a report about a world peace summit or celebrity gossip. The First Amendment does not permit public figures like Jim Bellino, except the court found that he wasn't a public figure, but whatever, to silence critics through lawsuits costing tens of thousands of dollars. Fortunately, California has enacted the anti-slap law, which allows defendants like McDonald to get the front of the line and obtain a quick dismissal of a case. Yeah. So if you win the motion to strike based on the anti-slap law, the case ends. And when you file it, you kind of get to halt discovery, too. So it's a pretty beneficial thing to file. So this is what Heather argued. And she won. She said that it ruined her friendship with Shannon and Tamara because she wasn't her attorney's advice were not to speak to them as the cases were progressing. And I think it kind of severed their podcasting relationship. I I don't think I don't know if they've been on since, but I imagine that they would be scared to be on any podcast now. Like I would probably be scared, but you just have to be careful. I mean, you wouldn't be scared because we're attorneys and we know we do try like, you know, we're always very careful about what we're trying to say. Right. Oh, totally. totally. But if I was just if I was a lay person, yeah, I like would them. be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would. I yeah, that would be unpleasant. I am really surprised that Jim Bellino's attorney advised him to include Heather McDonald in the lawsuit. I, you know, maybe they thought she'd just capitulate and pay a settlement to get out of it, but I, I would not file this type of lawsuit against a someone a stand-up comedian that's got a big following. I mean, it's just like that is. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't I thought that was unusual. I also don't know what she said. I don't think well, of she, course, it was I her broadcast that disseminated, I assume, but I we know, haven't found is, the pleading still. Yeah. yeah. So still, I yeah, I thought that was mm-hmm. odd that she was included in it. Okay, so Shannon filed an anti-slap. I thought it was really interesting reading the declaration she included because it's got the tone of it is very Shannon. I've I've actually become <laughs> a bit again, I haven't watched all of RHOC, but I've watched the past couple seasons and I've become somewhat fond of Shannon. I find her very endearing. She's very vulnerable. She wears her heart on her sleeve. Again, this is why I'm going to have a reunion rant coming up at some point. But uh, it's very Shannon in tone. So I'll share some of that with you. 
So essentially, what Shannon's saying is that the statements that she made were either opinions or they were true or they didn't really refer. They were just speaking generally and they didn't really refer to Bolino and his trampoline. I was about to say trampoline farm. Um, you know, trampoline, extravagant. Why can't park? What is it? What am I trying to think of? I think it's a park. I think it's a park. Okay. <laughs> All right. So essentially it says that, that first, Miss Bedore allegedly stated, I heard they don't have the trampoline business anymore because they were sued. This statement is not actionable for, among other reasons, the simple fact that it is a true statement. The trampoline park and its legal troubles had already been the subject of public interest and press. And so she was saying she was just repeating something she had heard and was and had qualified it as such. And then the complaint alleges that Shannon said, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happened. But what she actually said was, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happens. This is both a true statement and not even about plaintiff's business. Shannon Bedore does not let her kids go to trampoline parks generally, and people have been seriously injured and even paralyzed at these trampolines at these trampoline parks. True statements like these are protected in any state, but in California, these statements are subject to early dismissal under the anti-slap statute to protect the robust right of free speech. So then, then they argue that this is a public issue. It was a public issue and it was made in a public forum. And the statute requires that his complaint be dismissed without leave to amend if he can't show a possibility of prevailing on his claims. And he says it's clear this is Shannon's attorney and it might be a she actually. They say it's clear that they cannot. They're fatally flawed because the two statements at issue in this case are substantially true. And the first statement is an entirely reasonable statement that is true in all material respects. The second statement regarding Miss Bedore's feelings about trampoline, and she does have a lot of feelings. I've noticed Shannon has a lot of feelings. The second <laughs> statement regarding Miss Bedore's feelings about trampoline parks generally is also true and further has nothing to do with Jim Bellino and these plaintiffs. So they're not actionable and they can't prevail. And then the they explain that California law recognizes three categories of public issues, statements concerning a person or entity in the public eye, two, conduct that could directly affect a large number of people beyond the direct participants, and three, a topic of widespread public interest. And then they say, you know, they quote a case finding that Paris Hilton was a person in the public eye and a topic of widespread public interest. So, yeah, so that's what you were talking about with the difference between like, yeah, a public figure has to prove has like a higher burden of proof to prove defamation. But this is saying that like sometimes you can say statements if it involves something that's in the public's interest. So, yes. yeah, different, just separate, separate things. Yes. But I mean, it, I mean, it makes sense. And actually, I got kind of interested and I think we both did a little bit of research on this, but we looked up the trampoline park injuries and rates of injuries and accidents and whatnot. I looked up multiple articles, one of which was <laughs> demographic changes in U.S. trampoline related injuries from 1998 to 2017 cause for alarm. So this article said this, there is a cause for alarm, that there's a lot more injuries now that trampoline parks have opened and it's increased greatly the type of injuries. And that is from the journal, the medical journal from the American Academy of Pedi Pediatrics and it is March 2021, Volume 147, Issue 3. And they go into detail, and I'm not going to give you all of like the detailed statistics, but essentially saying that they refer to them as recreational sports facilities with trampolines. And this is a quote, recreational sports facilities with trampolines pose a public health hazard. It's like, okay, that 
confirms what I guess kind of common sense would say. And then the <laughs> American Academy of Pediatrics, I, I think, essentially recommends that you don't go to them. So Shannon, I think, had pretty strong ground to stand on to say, hey, I don't really like having my children go to those. I think they're dangerous. I, you know, sometimes people get paralyzed. And the American Academy of Pediatrics confirms that, in fact, there have been people paralyzed at trampoline parks. So not trying to make everybody scared. I'm sure at times they can be very safe with proper supervision and whatever. But this is just, I got interested, so I looked it up. I'm not saying don't go to trampoline parks. I'm just saying that's what the American Academy of Pediatrics has said about trampoline parks. <laughs> I didn't look it up because I know. <laughs> I already have the fear. I'm never going back to one of those. So, But that was part of Shannon's argument, essentially, that the issues surrounding trampoline parks are part of public interest because they the potential danger of to children and to whoever else is in the public interest. So and it says since 2004, trampoline parks open to the public have exploded into a one billion dollar industry with at least 700 parks globally. However, with the significant uptick in popularity has come a significant increase in trampoline related injuries, sparking public debate about whether these parks are safe for children and adults alike. So that fully supports Shannon's argument here. Yeah, I mean, she reading her statements from the podcast, I didn't think she was talking about his business. She yeah. said, I just don't let my kids go there because people get paralyzed, you know, or trampoline parks generally. But she didn't say, I don't let my kids go to Sky Zone because people get paralyzed at Sky Zone. That's the difference. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Were you going to read her declaration? Oh, yeah. I was going to read some of her because it's just it's so in the tone of Shannon. And now that I'm kind of fond of Shannon, I uh, did want to read it. So this is the declaration of Shannon Bedore. I, Shannon Bedore, hereby declare and state as follows. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read you some of it. So she says, I joined the cast of the American TV show. And I, I'm trying not to read in her voice that the watch what crap and skies do. <laughs> I can hear it in my head when I'm saying this. Uh, The Real Housewives of Orange County in 2014, before the show's ninth season. I have been on the show for five seasons now. My character is known to be honest and someone who freely speaks her mind. While I speak my mind, I am also known to be one of the more respectful housewives. I think most would agree that I am well-liked among our fans. Most would agree I have a good reputation. I can just see Shannon saying that. And honestly, I agree with her after watching her like be attacked at the reunion. I mean, it was just there were so many things that were ridiculous. I'll say that for my rant. Okay. It is interesting that she said my character is known. Mm-hmm. And she says, During the show, Miss McDonald asked me personal questions about dating and my sex life after my past marriage, which may be uncomfortable, but I played along. I also see that being very accurate with regard to Shannon. Um, Mm -hmm. She also asked me if men sent me nude photos of themselves as the audience roared with laughter. And I have to be wondering if the question was, does she get dick pics? Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) She just didn't want to write dick pics in her declaration. I can see Shannon being like, oh, I'm not putting I can see her having if you were Shannon's attorney and you wrote dick pics in that, that, like (laughs) she'd be like, take that out. There has to be some other way. I'm not saying there has to be some other way (laughs) uh, to describe that. Um, Okay, here's what she says about the trampoline parks. Uh, At some point after that, a discussion of trampoline parks continued. And I said something like, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happens. My intent in making that statement was to refer to trampoline parks generally. I, like many others, think that trampoline parks are dangerous. And I am aware of news reports of people breaking their necks and becoming paralyzed at trampoline parks. That's literally what Sussie and I just talked about. Like, it's that's pretty much in the public domain. I have never allowed my children to go to trampoline parks. Wasn't she the one that wouldn't even let them have cell phones? Like, well, the kids have cell phones she, in their house? Was that before? Y- yeah, but yeah, but I think her reason was because of like the signals and stuff, not because of like the radiation not because of, or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because of safety with with predators, but because of the the chemical wavelength effects that it would have on our kids. Oh God. Okay. Um, yeah, you need to watch her early seasons. <laughs> I've not watched her early seasons. I like her right now, so I don't really care to at this point. Um, at this point, my children know not to even ask me to go to one. I was not referring to Bellino's trampoline parks, but the occurrence of serious injuries, including broken necks and paralysis at trampoline parks generally, which I've read about. I was speaking my own truthful view about the danger of trampoline parks generally and my personal rules for my children. I do not. Okay, here's here's another one. The statements I made were truthful and I did not and never would make a false statement about Jim Bellino. Like she's this is just very Shannon, like her attorney Mm -hmm. really made sure Shannon's actual tone and personality and like who she is came. This really sometimes you read declarations like I'm sure Ceci and I have both read declarations where it's like clear the attorney just wrote the whole thing and it's in the tone of an attorney. This very much reads 
very honestly as Shannon when I read it. So I just thought that was interesting. She does say, too, that all of my press interviews are carefully monitored by the PR department for Bravo, the Real Houses of Orange County's network. After I refused to publicly retract the statements and apologize to Jim Bellino, I was served with a complaint. So I thought that was interesting, too, that she's basically saying any interview that she does is reviewed by Bravo mm-hmm. and monitored, which I didn't know. That I mean, is I guess interesting. I kind of assumed, but I didn't know. Right. Uh, do you want me to give the results of Shannon's slap motion now, or should I wait? Maybe let's wait. I was just thinking that. I don't know if okay. I should go into t- Tamara's first, and then you give the results, and then I give the results of Tamara's. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay. So Tamara also filed an anti-slap motion, and I wanted to make additional notes about anti-slap motions. So you do have a right to free speech, and that's what these motions are meant to protect, not being sued because your right to free speech. However, like we've mentioned before, free speech doesn't mean you can go around lying about people or saying untruthful, harmful things. The United States Supreme Court has long held that there is no constitutional value in false statements of fact. So that's where defamation lawsuits come into play. So... In Tamara's motion, I'm sorry, I'm going to get into the law a little bit here. So as with any motion, she first explains the governing law in a way that's most favorable to her. So this is what she has to prove in an anti-slap motion. She has to establish the lawsuit, that Jim's lawsuit was based on a protected activity, so that a protected statement as defined by the statute. And second, she has to show, quote, a probability of prevailing on the claim, a.k.a. that Jim won't succeed with his defamation claims. So notably, anti-slap laws in California cover four categories of activities as free speech. The one that Tamara's arguing about here is protection of any written or oral statement or writing made in a place open to the public or a public forum in connection with an interest with an issue of public interest. And this is what we were talking about before. So if it's a protected, she's trying to say that her speech is protected because it was a matter of public interest in a public forum. So this is what she argues for each element. She notes that it was in a public forum because it was in a venue with over 100 people. And she said the statements on a podcast that it is widely distributed. She claims that she meets that requirement of anti-slap laws. She also argues that she was speaking on a matter of public interest, which was reality reality television (laughs) celebrities, quote, Jim and Alexis Bellino. So then she also has to argue why Jim won't prevail on his claims. And this is what she states. This is my favorite. I think this is one of my favorite motions I've ever read. Again, (laughs) warning, not appropriate language coming. For the reasons stated below, none of Judge's alleged statements are statements of fact. She argues it was hyperbolic, loose language, and no one on the show could have thought otherwise. Further, to the extent her alleged question, why is he asking for spousal support, could possibly be an actionable statement of fact, Publicly available divorce records reflect that plaintiff, in fact, requested spousal support in his divorce proceedings. She's like, hey, Jim actually asked for spousal support. Moreover, to the extent her alleged statement that plaintiff is a, quote, shady motherfucker could possibly be actionable, nationwide reporting on plaintiff's past business dealings with legal troubles reflect that she was reasonable and opining that he was shady. Her argument is that she called him a shady motherfucker because he's shady. (laughs) I just cannot believe that this is their argument. Well, also, to be clear, he has had, I believe, he would have to agree that he has had intercourse with women that are, in fact, mothers. And she didn't say whose mother. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just 
<laughs> I'm shocked they didn't argue that. <laughs> I actually did. I was like, I expected to see like that argument in there. Um, but, you know, that that would actually be yeah. a factual statement because I'm his wife was a mother, the mother of his children. And I would presume that they that would be a deposition question you could ask. <laughs> Isn't it true, sir, <laughs> that you continue to have sexual intercourse with your wife after, uh, you know, that occurred after the birth of your children at some reasonable point? Wouldn't you agree? Is it your testimony here today that you have never had sex with a mother ever? Not even your own wife, the mother of your own children? <laughs> I, it, yeah, I'm shocked it didn't go that far. But <laughs> so she continues on the shady motherfucker point and says that it isn't actionable, actionable because it is true. Shady means of doubtful honesty or legality. Plaintiff accepted a deal with the government that he gave him probation after he was caught in an FBI investigation for his sale of counterfeit sports memorabilia. Plaintiff was sued for fraud, deceit, wrongful foreclosure, breach of written contracts, and other accusations in connection with his company's foreclosure on a hotel property after receiving $2.13 million in a refinance loan. He faced foreclosure on a home for delinquent payments and then turned around to purchase more expensive home the next year. He also allegedly hired and failed to pay an interior designer that resulted in, leg in legal action. These actions all fall within the purview of being, quote, shady. And this is great because they attach all these articles to a declaration submitted alongside this motion. So she's like, look at all this sh stuff that he was sued for and involves in. Of course he's a shady MFR. Right. <laughs> and then she goes on to argue that uh, there isn't malice here, but... That's not a successful argument for her because he's actually not considered a public figure in this court. So he doesn't have to prove that it was said maliciously. So Jim, this is where the daughter thing comes in. Or this is why I think he called Tamara mother in the complaint. He files his own dec declaration in opposition to Tamara's anti-slap motion. He says that Tamara has basically always had it out for him and constantly slams him. He goes so far as to quote something her estranged daughter, Sydney, said about her on social media. And for those that don't watch, and background for you, Angela, Tamara, one of her storylines has been her estranged relationship with her daughter. Mm. Like, okay. her daughter just constantly says that Tamara um, chose fame over her and kind of, like, doesn't respect her privacy. So he quotes, he quotes a Facebook post that Sydney made, and he says... Judge's own daughter has stated in a Facebook post that Judge, quote, puts herself, her fame, her re reputation, and her bank account before me, and the character keeps her relevant and is her storyline. Judge's daughter has also stated, although I do not want to be in the public eye, I feel like I need to clear these lies up and set the record straight in hopes that it will straighten my mom out so she is held accountable. Mm. So he's using her own daughter's statements about her against her in this opposition. And I think it is just so gross of him to do that. Well, yeah, the court, I don't, in my experience, you want to avoid, there There should be civility and there should be a line. And then it's, you. I don't know, the courts don't like that. The court, the ju a judge doesn't want to read that. A clerk no. doesn't want to read that. The courts don't want to be involved in proceedings that they feel icky about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's saying, like, look, she's she is just such an awful person. Look at what her daughter said about her. And it's like, oh, my gosh. how? What? Also, that might backfire. Like, the court could literally, I mean, people forget, like, judges are people, too. 
And you don't want to do something where the court is looking at it and being like, well, I can kind of see why they wouldn't like you or, you know, you know what I mean? It's just that's icky. Yeah. He's like he's he's hitting her where it hurts because that is like she has been hurt by this strain in the relationship. He also says that he's been victimized by Tamara's lies. In the past, she called him a cocaine dealer and a faux Christian, even though I have a degree in theology. It's like, okay, Jim. (laughs) So he did use that to his advantage in the uh, federal criminal um, case. Uh, Oh, really? The indictment? Yeah, that was, I read the transcript of the, like, proceedings where they entered into the delayed prosecution or whatever, and he he brings that up that he has the judge asks him because where he like so he has to like show his consent to this it's just like a plea agreement basically but the judge has to he has to show his consent like understanding that he read it so like the judge asks a series of questions and the federal judge asks what's your highest you know level of education he's like well i have i have a degree from in theology from the seminary so <laughs> he made sure to point that out it's yeah so funny that he's like but I am it's not really interesting Christian. because i don't you know, okay, so you may you can have all the degrees you want, but that was just really mean and uncalled for to put that in a court pleading about Tamara, even if you're mad at her. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and it has nothing really to do with the case. Like, no. okay, no. <sighs> okay, okay. Do you want to get into what happened to Sharon? Sharon. Oh, that's my friend's name. Hey, Aww. Sharon. Do you want to get into what happened to Shannon's? Um, yes. Anti-slap motion. Yes. So Shannon won her anti-slap motion entirely. So the entire complaint against her was dismissed. And then Jim Bellino had to pay Shannon's attorney's fees. Well, Bellino wasn't happy about that, obviously. So he appealed that. And then the California Court of Appeals upheld the trial judge's ruling. And so then he also owed Shannon money for the appellate work that her attorneys had to do in defending the appeal. And I mean... As I have in private practice, I've gotten attorney's fees and it's just one of those things where you just you can't help but feel really good when you not only win, but then the other side has to write you a check. Mm -hmm. It feels really good and it makes your clients really happy, obviously. But I as an attorney, that's probably like one of the biggest wins that you can get in this type of litigation is winning and then making the other side pay your attorney's fees. Mm -hmm. And then like they won twice because they wanted the Court of Appeals, too, and then he had to pay those, too. So the Court of Appeals opinion is interesting because they bring up some other reality show type stuff and whatever, and they go through it. So the trial court determined that Shannon Vidor met her burden as to the first step of the anti-slap analysis. They and they agreed on that. So they said this is protected activity. So it was, you know, she was exercising her rights to free speech. So they said it's the it was category three and four, which says he's already talked about a little bit. So there are statements made in a place open to the public or in a public forum. Yeah, it was on um, the Juicy Scoop podcast. And then in connection with the public interest. And then the category four is the catch-all provision, which is any conduct in furtherance of the exercise of constitutional right. So and they they basically said the Court of Appeals basically said that uh, Jim Bellino essentially conceded the public forum. Um, so there's, they said there's nothing in the record to suggest that our Irvine improv was not sufficiently open to the general public to be considered a public forum. Furthermore, the interview is part of a pod class published for free on the Internet. The public forum requirement is satisfied. So 
The next thing they talk about was actually interesting. Um, plaintiffs contend the public is merely curious about them and the statements do not rise to a matter of public interest. So that's Jim Bellino's argument saying to the Court of Appeals saying, you know, the the statements just are not really public interest. So and they the Court of Appeals brings up a case. So they talk about, um, I think it's the Albanese case, and they say it's instructive on this factor and it concerned a defamation active action by a celebrity stylist against television personality Maria Menudos based on allegations that Menudos falsely and publicly accused Albanese of theft. The appellate court determined the denial of Menudos' anti-slap motion, determining that even assuming Albanese was rather well-known in some circles for her work as a celebrity stylist and fashion expert, there is no evidence that the public is interested in this private dispute concerning her alleged theft of unknown, unknown items from Menudos. In short, there is no evidence that any of the disputed remarks were of public interest. So what's fascinating to me is that this this court of appeals in California seems to really understand the Real Housewives sphere and domain and really understand Real Housewives fan because they say, you know, Bellino voluntary, voluntarily appeared on a reality show based on the participants' marriages, divorces, and their lifestyles. The trial court correctly analyzed whether Bedore's comments were connected to Bellino's public persona as a matter of public interest. And then they also say, you know, he he too has shown, uh, sought public attention. He has a website where he, I think that's the blog that Ceci and I mentioned at the beginning. <laughs> and then uh, he's he's shown some aspects of his life on the TV show. But he says, giving the sprawling nature of the RHOC, it would seem the participants, it would seem how the participants made money would be of interest to those who watch the show. Facts. That is absolute facts. The court finds the comments by Bedore that Bellino is suing on are protected speech. And they say it more closely matches a case involving who wants to marry a millionaire, which is statements on a radio show about some of the participants. So uh, one concern in that case focused on the sort of person willing to meet and marry a complete stranger on a national television show in exchange for the notoriety and financial rewards associated with the how the presumed you know, millionaire lifestyle be furnished by the groom. And that this is a direct quote from the California Court of Appeals. Quote, by having chosen to participate as a contestant in the show, plaintiff voluntarily subjected herself to inevitable, inevitable scrutiny and potential ridicule by the public and the media. End quote. So the Bellino's lifestyle and divorce were fodder for public interest due to the participation on RHOC and the sprawling nature of the show into its participants' lives and marriages. So that is something... That if you, you know, this I mean, this is just me talking now, not the Court of Appeals, but I think we all know that. Like, we're all, if you're listening to this podcast, that is, I would say, evidence of how correct the Court of Appeals is on this. We are all just interested by the fact that they are on the show. And, you know, Ceci and I met on the Bravo Real Housewives subreddit where you discuss everything about anything you can find out. And the, the people that watch these shows are super smart and they're super interested and yeah, if you go on one, you're putting it like you can't really claim that you you know you, you get to keep yeah. stuff private because even if you don't talk about it on the show, one of those Reddit sleuths is going to find out about it and post it. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, like, and this is a, okay. Final quote from this opinion: "Quote this interest of the viewers and fans into the mundane topics of reality television stars is what propels the franchise and Bellino's notoriety." The court did not err. End quote. So. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they found that she was right. She said the statements in a public forum and it was a public interest. So that's why she won her anti-slap motion and won the case and won the appeal. Yes. But 
Good for her. Go Shannon. Yes, Shannon. Go Shannon. And so the I'm trying to look to see if I have the amounts anywhere in here because I think it was close to $300,000 in attorney's fees. It was somewhere along that line. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Ms. Bedore is indisputably the prevailing party. And I didn't realize that an award of attorney's fees under the anti-slap statute to the prevailing party is mandatory, not discretionary. Because in a lot of, even in some civil rights cases, it's it's not necessarily mandatory sometimes. Like it can be, um, you know, limited or on the discretion yeah. of the court. Yeah, but here's, so if you it's mandatory. win anti-slap, you get, yeah. You, yeah, you have to get your fees paid. I think that makes sense because... It does. I don't know. Yeah. So Ms. Bedore incurred 218000 over $218,000 in attorney's fees and close to $3,000 in costs. And that just with, uh, that's just for the motion to strike. Um, Again, imposing the motion to strike and then imposing the, um, I'm sorry, let me start over. So Shannon had over $200,000 in attorney's fees and close to $3,000 in costs in connection with the strategizing, researching, drafting, and arguing her special motion to strike the slap motion and in opposing plaintiff's motion to lift the anti-slap discovery stay. So, yeah. They, so, so it's they, like a they, fraction. Yeah. The, the approximately 300 hours billed to Ms. Bedore for working on her anti-slap motion over the last five months is reasonable. So I think the court like eventually like lowered its sum, but she still got over six figures for her attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. I also saw that she had to file a lien on yeah. Jim Bellino. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happened there? She filed it. And then we talked about this. Um, she, she filed a motion for a judgment debtor. So like once the court enters the judgment and then it's finalized by the Court of Appeals, then you have like an official judgment saying that money is owed. And so she filed a motion for examination of a judgment debtor because apparently it hadn't been paid and she wanted to know where his money was. And we don't have too much details on that. But we do know that... So according to court documents, she filed a lien against his mansion, and that'll allow her to collect her attorney's fees if the property is sold. And then she's asking to see his finances to determine how to collect the debt. So that's the uh, motion to examine the judgment debtor. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we can what we can take from that is that she was not paid immediately and was wondering where her fees were from Jim. All right. And then Tamara wasn't so lucky. She, like I said, filed that anti-slap motion, and it was granted in part and denied in part by the court. So she appealed as well. And then Jim also appealed. So that made its way to the appellate court. Yeah. So the trial court granted her anti-slap motion as to the second claim. So for regular defamation on the grounds that it was not obvious on its face and that Bellino didn't present adequate evidence of special damages. The court denied Tamara's anti-slap motion. So left in Jim Bellino's claims against her for regular defamation and for false light, determining that Bellino demonstrated a probability of prevailing on the merits. So unfortunately for her on appeal, she lost the appeal and had to go, well, was scheduled to go to trial to defend herself against the claims of defamation and false light. So the majority of her briefing took issue with the trial court's supposed confusion between the language. So this is what Tamara argued in appeal. She was like, I didn't say he is going to jail. I said he's going to go to jail. She's like, get the quote right, because it's very different. And the judge, the court here says we are unpersuaded. 
stated <laughs> that they basically have the same meaning. Saying he's going to jail versus he's going to go to jail is the same thing. <laughs> Tamara also tried to argue that because it was forward-facing language and we don't know what the future holds, that she didn't say it as a fact. And the court was like, uh-uh, that doesn't work. Just because you're like saying something might happen in the future doesn't mean that it's you know, that it's not defamation. And then the judge or the court here also looked at the totality of the circumstances to figure out if the statements were false. I thought this was just really interesting. Mm -hmm. It is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like the judge, like the court has to go through and like take Tamara's statements saying that why is Bellino wanting spousal support? I have a theory. Everything is in her name. He's going to go to jail. Yeah. He's a shady MFer. Judge's use of I have a theory does not automatically prevent the words from being understood as defamatory. So you can't say I have a theory and think like it's not going to be defamation. And you can't be like, I have a theory about something in the future and not think that it's not defamation. Judge also claims the words in question are not fact based, but rather reflect judges, quote, drunken opinion of the values Bellino has and the choices he has made. (laughs) She put this in emotion. Yeah, she put that in a motion. She further contends without oh, legal or factual support. Oh, she referred to them support. as drunken. Okay. Like yeah, her... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So she's it was like... Tamara. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I said the the champagne will be discussed later. She's using ah. the fact that he put in the complaint that there was a magnum bottle of champagne kind of against him to be like, oh, I was just drunk and saying my opinion. Wait, is she the one that screams that's just my opinion? Who is... Th- yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her. Okay. Yeah. Was that before or after <laughs> this? That was before... Right? Yeah, that was before this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised she didn't like, use that. I know. She should have submitted that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She also says the context in which the statements were made also fails to negate a defamatory sense. So apparently Judge Tamara, rel- not Judge Tamara, apparently Tamara relied on a case called Polygram Records, Inc. v. Superior Court to say that her statements weren't defamatory because it was just a comedy. She's just a comedian. But that case was against Robin Williams. Oh, God. <laughs> and um, the court here is so shady because they say, to be blunt, Tamara is no Robin Williams. <laughs> well, the event took place at the Irvine Improv, Tamara was not there as a comedic act. Instead, she participated in an interview with a podcast host. The level of shade that the appellate court here has in their opinion is amazing. I just love that. It's, it's beautiful. Tamara it's like well-written. is no Robin beautiful. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful shade. Well-written. So, <laughs> in case you couldn't follow that, because I'm my brain is all over the place right now, they're basically negating all of Tamara's arguments as to why her statements were still defamatory or possibly potentially defamatory and need to be tried before the court. Um, They're saying, you know, you can't just say you're a comedian. You can't just be like, it's a theory. You can't just use this qualifying language to make it not defamatory. It's still defamatory. Are you saying she can't just scream, that's my opinion? Is that what the court is telling her? She could try. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's what the court is telling her. And so her outcome was that there was a jury trial scheduled for November 8th, 2021. I cannot believe this case was happening still at that point. Like, I had no idea before looking this up that there was potentially going to be a trial on this in November 2021. Wow. Like, no idea. It actually didn't go to trial. They ended up agreeing to postpone it, and they ended up settling the case on November 2nd, 2021. And Tamara 
when this was happening, both Shannon and Tamara, you could tell they were really spiraling. They complained about how much it was costing them. Tamara moved homes. I don't remember if she moved because of how expensive it was, but it was part of the storylines for both of them that this was just costing them so much and was causing them so much strain and it was just awful. And um, Kelly Dodd (laughs) came up in this, uh, she added insult to injury of this whole case. And Kelly said that she contacted Bellino or they found out that she had contacted Jim to and offered to be subpoenaed as a character witness to testify against Tamara. Yeah. That is mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And about that, Tamara said, Kelly can F off. I could have put my all my kids through college with the amount of money I paid for that lawsuit. She knew that it was so devastating, but she still reached out and said, hey, let me help you F her over. Kelly keeps saying that she intended to hurt Tamara, but what Kelly needs to continually understand is that it's hurting Tamara is also hurting Shannon. We're both in a lawsuit. We have both suffered so much financially, so immerse yourself in it. Does it make you feel good? This is what Shannon said about it. She crossed the line, and I don't think I can get past because she knows and is aware of the hours that we have cried, Shannon continued. Tamara's anger is completely justified. There is one person out of line here, and that is Kelly Dodd. The nuke that she threw went too far. I am going to agree with that. That is, as somebody who's been in private practice and had clients and represented people, it's like usually when in that instance, that would be that the only lawsuit, hopefully, that that person would ever be dealing with. So it's like the biggest thing that's happening. And then not only are they having to deal with litigation and invasive depositions and, you know, responding to discovery and all of that stuff you are paying attorney's fees and it's costing them money every time they talk to you. And then it's like, then it's like there, if if we lose, if we lose, we could have a lien on our house. We could, you mm-hmm. know, my, the arch, like they're exactly right. You're not only would I have all the attorney's fees that I would owe, but if I lose, then I, I'm going to have to pay whatever damages are being assessed. And it is, it is just awful. It is not something mm-hmm. that you should, even if you've, hate somebody that you should go out of your way to try to make worse for someone just like that is pretty mean that's really mean wow and to to clarify kelly clarified um in the after show of orange county and said that all she did was write to shannon tell Tamara to shut the f up or i will be a character witness so she like texted that i think to shannon trying to get her to stop talking about her i don't remember the season very well but just that's that's going very far. That's still it's still even the threat of it is just that's yeah. that having feeling like, you know, you've got attorneys coming at you. You've got the full force of the law that you're dealing with. And then to have a co- essentially a co-worker threaten you that they will interfere with your, you know, the lawsuit and make it try to make it worse for you. I agree. That is awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. I agree. Wow. So to end this, let's read Jim's post about the lawsuit from his blog. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. You want to take it away? I don't know what he sounds like. So but uh, OK, so this is Jim Bellino's words from Jim Quote, Tamara's longstanding abuse of the reality TV platform is so disgusting to me. In my opinion, she has used Bravo TV and the Real Housewives of Orange County TV series to get away with 
all manner of manipulation, bullying, and abuse, all without facing any consequences from Bravo or her uninformed cult following. Okay, side note, like, that's pretty cool if you have a cult following, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, back, back to Jim Bellino. Uh, quote, Tamara, using the power you wield as a public figure and as a woman to try to emasculate and reduce a man for whom you have exhibited nothing but pure, unadulterated contempt is sad and desperate on your part. I am a Christian father who was clearly devoted to his wife and children. All of this coming from a woman whose own life is nothing if not the portrait of failed marriages and failed child rearing. Whoa, Jimbalino. Oh my God. I mean, like the <laughs> hypocrisy, it's like, like say you're a Christian is supposed to denote that you are a follower of Christ. And it's like, do you think Jesus would be approving of like you saying, I am a Christian, and then saying immediately, you are a horrible, terrible person? As far as I can remember, Jesus was like, he who has not sinned, throw the first stone. So he'd probably, you know, that's just ridiculous. I don't, what seminary school did he go to? Because he needs to go back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to Jim Bellino. Quote, I hope this blog is helpful in answering the questions that I have been asked. And it is also my hope that you, as the reader of this blog, now have a better understanding of my position and the reason I felt it was necessary to bring legal action against Tamara Barney Judge and Shannon Bedore. In closing, I know many of you feel the same way I do about Tamara Judge, and some of you have also been victims. I am committed and resolved to stand up for myself and the many others that have been forced to endure Tamara Judge's malicious attacks for a long time. It may take years to rehabilitate my reputation, both personally and professionally, and undo the damage done, but I am not going to give up. I will do whatever it takes to clear my name, protect my family, and be vindicated. I wish all of you the best, encourage you not to give in to bullies, and appreciate all the support I have received during these trying times." End quote. Whoa. That's not even the whole thing. I just put the end of it. But yeah, that. (laughs) Okay. I mean, here's the thing. Again, (laughs) just like with the the smelly cat episodes that we had, it's like if he hadn't filed this lawsuit, we wouldn't be talking about it. Like, no, (laughs) we wouldn't be reading all these statements that he put in the in the blog and put in the pleadings and stuff. I'm just so grateful, Shannon, one that like. Her attorneys were, well, like, yeah, they, they did such a good job, honestly. So, yeah. And if we could be off the cuff with this, like the statements she made were it was about herself. It was like just so clearly not, in my opinion, yeah, a defamatory statement made about his business or anything or even that harmful. I feel like the report that you found is more harmful against his business than anything that she said about. Well, yeah, and that was the American Academy or American Association of Pediatrics. Right. Like, and that's just a. <laughs> Was he going to sue them too? So right, (laughs) yeah. It was based on actual statistics. So I, I am, I am surprised that he went so far as to actually file it a cease and desist letter. Like just being like, for one, that would have definitely scared Shannon into not continuing to say things because I think it would have. I mean, it didn't scare into apologizing, but there was nothing to apologize for. And then two, to actually like file the lawsuit and proceed with it. I, you know, I don't know. It just like just the face value of what happened looking at it, if a client came to me with those facts, I'd be like, I don't I don't I wouldn't advise this course of action. And also against Heather McDonald, which I mean it makes sense because both of them won their their slap motions. So <laughs> Whoa indeed. Indeed. But finally, finally we've dug into this one. Um this was very fun to dive into. Yeah. This one, this was, this is interesting. Excellent, excellent writing by the California Court of Appeals. Some really good briefs and yeah. So 
I don't I don't even yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Bye guys. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs>